Do we have our memory verse up there? Do you guys read that out loud together? Is that what you do? All right, let's do it. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. <clears throat> you know, it reminds me of something that I'm thinking about that uh, Mac Brunson said. He's a pastor over here. You guys probably heard of him. He said that, uh, you know, a tragedy is not going through a storm. It's the tragedy is not growing in the midst of the storm. And I, that reminds me of this passage. And next week, you're going to look at the parallel passage that James talks about. These, these two passages are very similar. And I'd love to be here with you, too, and just talk with you about the joy that um, he can give during those times where he purposes uh, some trials for us. And, um, you know, I'm not going to talk real long. I know you guys uh, uh, are watching your clock, and I know that uh, I know what it's like to be a child care worker back there and um, that they're going to be looking at the watch too, especially with my son back there. Uh, my son's one of those. I just, um, you know, I, I love him to death, but I drop him off, and I'm like, oh, Lord bless you. You're going to earn your money today. Um, so I know, I know what it's like. Um, it's funny that he mentioned the cell phone coverage. You know, one of the things you can learn in India very quickly is that there's a difference between suffering and inconvenience. Most of what we consider to be trials, I think, are really just inconveniences. How could that guy make me late? You know, how could he make me sit here for 30 minutes? And if you want to learn patience anywhere in the world, if, you, if anyone needs to send their husband somewhere to learn patience, just have him come over to India, and there will be every opportunity for that. I'm talking about 45 days to open a bank account, six months to get a car registered in your name, three hours in a phone shop, uh, oh, that's not working, come back in an hour, then come back in an hour, come back in an hour. Oh, sir, definitely this time, next hour, it will be ready. <laughs> and, um, and I'm saying, no, you said that before. Why are you using that word definitely? He's like, oh, sir, we should have confidence that we will be done. And I'm like, no, don't tell me definitely until you know for sure. And, um, you know, I've got to admit that, that was the, that's been the hardest thing for me is just kind of the lack of systems or, um, you know, quality control or customer service that all of them are very confident about. And, you know, uh, they also don't, you know, they don't care about personal space. You know, if someone's in my way and I say, you know, they don't even have a word for excuse me. It's, you know, it's just kind of like a, a head nod or something. You know? And then, you know. So you're thinking you want to walk through here, and he's in the way. And so when you tell him to move, he goes like this. And you're like, oh, no, sir, I wanted you to move. He's like, I did move. <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, I guess everywhere you go with millions of people, there's just people all around you. Everyone's hitting your car mirrors. I don't know why anyone would drive an expensive car in India. you got to look both directions. There's cows. There's animals. 
Uh, there's people walking across tightropes. I mean, it's just everywhere from every direction. It is sensory overload and just very different from what we've experienced. But, you know, the Lord taught us through an Indian brother. You might want to write this down today. He told me, Willie, life is full of adjustments. Don't take inconveniences as a trial or a suffering. Those are just, dude, that's inevitable in life. And he really taught me something through that. But what do we say about trials, real trials? There are those, and we go through them. In fact, I would say to you that they're inevitable. And for us, they're usually very unpredictable, aren't they? The trials that come, and they're difficult. And remember, that place where there was no trial, but sin separated us, in that place will there again be no trial. That's the hope that we have. In one of the passages that you've studied, Philippians, it says, but, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we await a Savior who's going to come back for us and transform this lowly body. A lot of times our suffering is in our physical body. And so because of that, we have a different perspective. And so what do we say about trials? I want to encourage you that though they're unpredictable to us, they are never to our Lord. I think we got a scripture up there. You can turn Mark chapter 6 if you want to. We'll go back to that Deuteronomy one. Is there a Mark 6? Through there in the slides, maybe. Keep on going down. Did I put it in? Or Okay, there we go. I'm going to read this to you. Immediately, this is um, after Jesus had just fed the 5,000. For the sake of time, you know that story, right? Immediately after that, he made his disciples get into the boat, go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he, was, while he dismissed by himself the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountaintop and he prayed. He left them alone. He sent them out there on a boat alone. And what came after that? And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and the land, and he was alone on the land, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Hours later, seeing them and seeing them struggle, he finally came out to them. So here's what I want to encourage you with. Did Jesus know that he was sending those people out into the boat and that storm was coming? He knew. Now, they did not know, but he knew. And he even watched them from afar. And he even allowed them to suffer through it. And then what does it say? Sometime later, he was walking. He came out to them walking on the sea. And he meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the water or on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. And they cried out, for they all saw him and they were terrified. But immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them. And the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. The story in different parallels goes on to show us that Peter actually stepped out onto the water, didn't he? Peter's faith increased when he went through that storm. He saw his Savior come to his rescue, and his faith increased. We always give Peter a bad rap, but actually, man, that dude stepped out of the boat and walked on water. Sometimes I felt like that's what we kind of, God was asking us to do when we went to India. But I want to tell you about a trial we went through before we ever went to India. In 2010, after 2009 of my body just not working properly, uh, you know, it'd be like every once in a while I just need to pass out or something, you know, and then uh, fluid would be like filling my body and it just felt like somebody was just pumping, you know, some kind of fluid through a cycle through my body. It was just strange. And I went and did every test about, you know, six times throughout the year. Nothing. Found nothing. But what was the backdrop? Man, I was a church planter. 
I also worked a full-time job. I just finished seminary. I had a new baby, and I did ministry with international refugees. I was blowing and going, okay? And my friends tell me later, dude, we knew that you were on the edge of burnout. Well, in 2010, that physiological problem even came to my brain, and I had what's called the flip side of depression. I, got, I had all this anxiety come up. It was just filling my body, and I went through the worst year of my life in 2010, utter pain. I want to tell you, it was hard for me to walk around the block. I'd have to call my wife and say, I'm not sure I'm going to make it, honey. If I don't come back in five minutes, just come out and just try to pick me up, bring me water, come get me. I would drive to work, and literally some days all I could do was just reach out for Jesus' hand and be like, I know you're with me. And that's all the faith I could muster. But there was joy to be found in it. Willie found out that not only was he doing too many things and trying to perform for the Lord, because I used to think I had to perform for my dad, how I thought about everything I did needed to be totally transformed. And I needed to come to know the loving fatherhood of God towards me. So what did I have to do? I had to take off nearly every hat of responsibility that I was wearing. I had to get on my face before God like Jesus did all the time. You know, we always think of all the ministry he did, and then he'd go retreat for hours at a time. He lived in this rhythm of life of sitting alone with his father, but also being outwardly. And here's what I want to encourage you with today. Sometimes a trial comes, and one of the things the Lord might be teaching you is, is how to disengage from this world and to commune with him. You know, the Sabbath was for a reason. You know, solitude is one of the greatest things that is hard for a person like me to learn. You can probably tell by the way I talk, and I'm always wanting to do things. But we have to get aside with God alone, reject the things of this world, renew our minds to be in the truth. And if we don't, man... We're, we're going to be coasting one day on empty fumes. So the Lord used that trial in my life even before I went to India, and he used it for my sanctification. It was necessary preparation to live out my calling. You know, in that time, I had to lay down. We thought we were going to go to North Africa, and I just had to say, I, God, I thought you got me, gave me this calling, but physically, I don't even know if I'll ever be able to do it. And I had to give that over to the Lord and lay it on the altar and say, it's yours. If I never get to, okay. You know, but what a blessing, actually, that that trial came in America and not after I had already arrived onto the field. See, in hindsight, I can look back and say the way I treated my wife was different. She'll give a hallelujah amen to that. The way that I thought about my kids was different. I just became a different man, and it made me depend upon the Lord. Do you remember when Paul said that we were overwhelmed to the point of death even? We even despaired of life. But it was so that we would learn to rely not upon ourselves, but upon the Lord. And I had that storm in my life. And then God, like he says in a passage, and I won't steal all that there, but, you know, he is our shepherd. Do you remember we read Psalm 23 today? That the shepherd walked with me through that darkest valley. And his rod and his staff, they comforted me. And let me tell you, it was all I had to hold on to. And thankfully, I walked in community with other brothers and sisters who could grieve with me, who could just say, I'm there for you, I'm praying with you. But the Lord, the shepherd, he restored me. You know, when a shepherd takes people to green pastures and still waters, you know, when they take them on a journey, a lot of times they got to take them through the rough, low places to get there. 
But you know what? He invited me in to dine with him. It says he set, he prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And there he led me to still waters in 2010 that I had never experienced before. And he restored my soul. And I wish I could say to you that I live that out consistently now, every day of my life. But I still struggle as a go-getter to find that rhythm of life to slow down. But here's what I know. God showed me that if I don't, I'm going to end up in big trouble. And my little thorn, you guys talked about thorns, didn't you, recently? My little thorn is that now I'm susceptible to that. You know, when once you get... Uh, uh, like overheated, you get that, what's that called when you get like heat exhaustion? You know, after that, if you're in heat, you're not the same ever exactly again. Hey, look, my body's never really been the same. It has forced me to rely upon the Lord, but it's been an amazing blessing for him to work into me, this passionate guy, character. Praise the Lord uh, for that. So then he restores us, and um, I feel like he says, yes, I'm going to send you overseas, and man, it was exciting. Um, but do you think when we found out we were going to India that we might have some concerns or what it would be like about our kids or maybe some anxiety, maybe some stress of leaving your job with all your family, packing up, giving everything you had away and going to a new place and starting life over there? Sure. We even came to the point of realizing, you know, we were wondering, could we do this? And the Lord said to us, no, you can't do it. You certainly can't do it. And so we were like, oh, gosh, you know. We're called to this. We're walking in it. Go back to that passage for me, Deuteronomy 31. It says this, It is Yahweh who goes before you. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you. He will not ever forsake you. Therefore, Willie, do not fear. Be dismayed as you follow me. And I want to tell you guys, the promises of God like this, they're like a soft pillow for you to lay your head on in the middle of the trial. Remember that. Those promises of God that you need to be renewed with and to think on, they are the pillow of comfort for you in the time of trial. And they were for me. And things weren't easy. We got over there and, uh, you know, we missed our first flight. We missed our second flight. And then um, none of our bags made it with us except for a dollhouse, one of ten bags. The only one that made it was the dollhouse. So uh, two weeks later, we got some clothes. Uh, we got put into someone's house who his wife had left a month ago, and um, I think she was the one who kind of maintained the house. Oh, my goodness, you know, uh, unbelievable. Uh, my kid's running around. He's one years old, and he's putting, um, you know, like mothballs in his mouth, you know, just total poison. Uh, it is extremely hot. We went at the hottest time of the year. I do not know why other than the Lord wanted to show us that we would make it. You know, if we could do it then, we could do it any other time. The AC goes out a lot. You know, I mean, okay, you got little ACs. You don't got central AC like this. So you got one little room, and you try to go in there for the AC to get some comfort during the day. Well, when the power goes out and you don't have a backup generator, I mean, you're just, like, nearly going to pass out. We had heat rashes. I mean, our kids were 5, 4, and 1. But if they were 15, 14, and 11, they would have shot us. I mean, they would have looked for a gun. They would have been like, what have you done with us? So we live on an ocean city, and I thought, okay, First morning, you know, we're going to have, we're going to get up real early because our whole schedule's off. We're going to go down the beach. It'll be cool down there. We go down there. There's these fishermen villages. Well, there's not a lot of toilets in India. And um, 
I went down their little head, and they were following me down, and I went down, and it was, it was go time. Uh, it was uh, plant landmine time. It was just bare backside time. And all the fishermen men go to the bathroom at the same time on the beach. And I, ow, I turned around, I yelled, run, turn, run. Emily, cover their eyes. Um, just our expectations is just kind of overwhelming. Um, I don't think our water was clean. Our kid had diarrhea for a month and a half. It was just terrible. We were sick a lot. I got dingo fever. You probably don't even know what that is, but I was in the hospital. Poor Emily, I just passed out on her and, uh, you know, took me to the hospital. And, um, you know, it was challenging for us. I lost my passport. I was threatened with a rubber hose by a local police officer. Almost kicked out of the country. Um, you know, just normal things. And um, God used all that. He knew that storm. He sent us in that boat, out into it, knowing we were going to have it. But he was with me, brothers and sisters. He was with us. And do you know a crazy testimony? When I was there in the hospital, you have to have someone come in and stay the night with you. Well, we had three little kids. She couldn't stay the night with you. And you want to have someone stay the night with you because overnight, one time I looked, my buddy was asleep, and the blood in my IV tube was like out here. And I was thinking, oh, that can't be good. You know? So the nurses don't really come in. You've got to have somebody you know, watching it for you. But this man was called in. He didn't know me from Adam. He came in, spent the night with me. And he is who I call the networking master. He was the perfect man for me to meet for us to get launched into our ministry. The blessing of God right there. Sometimes that we get to see. Not always, but sometimes we get to see. And so remember those, you have to go back. We would, um, okay, one more thing. I gotta, here's a practical thing you need to think about doing. Every month we take half a day, a full day if we can. And we just go by ourselves in solitude, and we just sit with the Lord and pour out our hearts before Him. We hear from Him. I list out all my sins, and five hours later, I feel better. Uh, but no, I make sure that as far as I know, there's nothing between me and God in our relationship. The grace of God, and I want to encourage you, not only do you need this in not a time of suffering, but especially in a time of suffering, you need to have a constant way of disengaging with the Lord to be reminded of those comforting pillows of promises, to be reminded of the truth, or else we will not live in realized victory. We have the victory, but we will not live in realized victory unless that is a part of our everyday ongoing life. And so I really want to encourage you with that. So then we got involved in the ministry. One more thing to encourage you. But we went out there and we started sharing with Muslims. So we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know a whole lot about the culture. Do you remember in Luke chapter 10? The, uh, yes, he is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. But Luke chapter 10, he said, After this I appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Again, he sends them. He knows what they're going to go through. And he said to them, Harvest is plentiful. We read through this. Look at the next verse. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Guys, life is not easy. Ministry is not easy. Jesus told these 72, actually, I'm sending you. You're going to be fine, but you are lambs amongst wolves. And we felt that way. But be reminded of that shepherd in, in the testimony after this, the next verse. 
verse 17. Look at this. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Nothing touched them. He did tell them, you're going out as lambs amongst wolves, but nothing touched them. He is our shepherd, brothers and sisters. He is our sovereign Lord who is powerful over all and is purposeful in all. And nothing will touch us that he doesn't allow. And we must remember that sovereignty peace as the comfort to our souls. So when I go out there in Muslim ministry, honestly, I am unashamed of the gospel. He's helping me to be that way, not of my own accord. But I don't worry about what happens to me. And if a worry creeps in, I remind myself that he is with me in those times. And one more verse, the last verse, and then I'll wrap it up right here, is... Um, in Philippians 1, 12 through 14. Is that on the screen there? I want you to know, brothers, Paul said this. That what has happened to me, he's in prison when he writes this. And you've heard, you remember his long list of what he went through. Has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord of my, by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Sometimes our suffering is just not meant for us. It's meant for someone else or for a greater purpose. By the blessings of God, Paul was allowed to even see that. You know what, brothers and sisters? I know that countless risks were taken so that I could know the gospel. And it is my joy, honestly, to offer my life to God, not wanting sufferings, but being willing to potentially suffer for the sake of someone else's salvation like Aisha. And Aisha is really suffering for the sake of her sister, her daughter, and her family. And, you know, sometimes our suffering, God does amazing things through it, and we see it. And every once in a while, through our suffering, God does something amazing, because he always does, but we don't get to see it. And that's the toughest part, isn't it? So you've heard our stories of how we could see God. That It wasn't an easy walk for us. 2010 was terrible. Then he set us on the path. Then we got put in the midst of trials. He walked us through it. And then once we got in the ministry, it's not the easiest ministry. You know, some people might think it's dangerous out there. But our Lord and Shepherd is with us. And nothing has touched us. And if something does touch us, I know it will be for some greater purpose. So, lastly... What about the times when we don't get to see the purpose? Paul got to see it. What about when we don't? I want to give you an illustration. Back in the, Who can remember when we didn't have cell phones and y'all were driving? <laughs> and then the first one was like in this big box and had a cord connected to it. And then they got real small and now they're like tablets again, you know, computer laptops uh, size. It's just funny to see it. So before, um, you know, we had cell phones. I'm going to tell you this story. I have a friend. He was out in downtown Dallas from where we're from. He was with his buddy, probably out late, not doing what he should be doing. They were in his friend's car. They were driving along the road and the highway, and it was one of those moments where they saw someone like, you know, lights coming up, approaching fast, kind of veered out of the way. A car zooms by them, but they, you know, they're looking, anticipating, what is this guy? And, and our, my friend says, that's, man, that was my dad. And 
and they saw it quick enough to say, yeah, his friend said, yeah, that was your dad. And they pulled over, and, you know, there's no cell phone to call the dad. And they're thinking, what was your dad doing at 1 o'clock in the morning, driving down the highway? We can't call him. We don't know. And he, it hit him like this. He said this to his friend. You know what? I don't know. I don't have an answer, but I do know my dad. I know his character, and I know his goodness, and I know it's for some great purpose and some good reason. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, that's all we can hold on to, and that's okay. So if you don't, you hold on to that promise of your good and loving father, and you look for the amazing things that he's wanting to do through your suffering. And I hope you've been encouraged today. Um, this is a pretty, uh, pretty serious talk here, isn't it? I'm really not that serious of a guy, and I like to joke and other things. But, man, the faithfulness of God has been so evident in my broken life at times. And I know that he is right there with you, never leaving you, going before you. And he will never forsake you, and he is encouraging you. Do not fear or be dismayed. He is at work in your life. He is in your biography right now and always. Can I pray for you? Thank you, Father, for the truth of your scripture that you're a sovereign shepherd with all power. And you have not only power over all, but purpose in all too. I thank you for the testimony of how you delivered me from the pit and raised me up. And in my time of need, you sanctified in me to prepare me for something. And God, you sent me out, and you walked along with me, and you're walking along with me and my family, and we can attest to it. And I know that my brothers and sisters are walking through difficulties right now in this church, and I thank you that you are faithful. You are right there with them. God, I pray that they would learn to get away with you, to disengage daily, weekly, monthly, in some sort of rhythm, that they would be reminded of the truths of God, that they would minister one to another, loving each other, grieving with those who grieve, having joy with those who have joy, you know, laughing even with times of laughter, that they would support and love one another, reminding each other of the care of the sovereign shepherd that we have in Jesus Christ, Lord. And Father, I ask right now, by your mercy, that you might show some purposes to people in their suffering here, that they might have joy in seeing um, some of the things that you're wanting to do with them. Right now, maybe there's someone in this room who needs to quit asking the question, you know, why, 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 and maybe just ask the question, what, Lord, what, 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 and um, that you would just powerfully come in and do your transforming work in men, women, and children's lives, Lord, for the sake of your great name and for their goodness. Thank you that you're working towards their goodness, Lord. And I just praise you for them. I praise you for this community that's reaching out. And me and Emily pray for the blessings of God upon them, that blessings exponentially be poured upon them for the sake of your name, for this community, that your ways would be known in this place, your, your salvation among the people that they live and work among, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.